welcome back to Control Alt Delete, the podcast where I interview interesting creative people about the internet, their careers, and everything in between. This week's guest is with Oscar-nominated filmmaker Jahan Najem, who, alongside her husband Kareem Amma, directed the new Netflix documentary The Great Hack. The documentary premiered this year at Sundance Film Festival, and the documentary uncovers the dark world of data exploitation online. It follows the personal stories of some key players behind the Cambridge Analytica and Facebook scandal, and we see all different sides of what happened, what went down, what got uncovered during that scandal. There's Carol from The Guardian who has spent years investigating and being trolled online for the things that she has uncovered about Cambridge Analytica. There's Brittany Kaiser, who is a very interesting character, who went from interning on the Barack Obama campaign to working for the Trump Cambridge Analytica contract. It's informative, it's entertaining, uh, it's pretty scary in many places, and the revelations that come to light really do blow your mind. Data has surpassed oil as the world's most valuable asset now, and it's a topic that everyone is starting to get very interested in to uncover why these companies everywhere at the moment are trying to get ownership and control of our most intimate personal details. The Great Hack has given me lots to think about, uh, especially kind of the question of what do we give up when we click that yes box on the T's and C's on most of the social media apps that we go on every single day? And where is this all leading to? And where is the line? And how can we stop people using our data in ways that we feel are uncomfortable and just downright immoral? So I hope you enjoy this episode. Please leave a rating or a review on iTunes. It really helps my podcast get boosted in the charts and i will see you next week here it is so i'm so excited to be with the academy nominated amazing director of the most recent documentary the great hack jahan so why now why do this documentary now because i feel like most people have heard of it in the news but i felt like this is such good timing we all need to know a little bit more about what went on with cambridge analytica and everything else when we started the film unless people really were following the story no not many people knew cambridge analytica it was a year before Carol came out with the story about Chris Wiley and uh, we met both of them and now Cambridge Analytica is a household name there's the common knowledge that it's associated with campaigns and um, targeting but even at the time that they were doing that Cambridge was doing the um, advertisements on Crooked Hillary and the campaign on Crooked Hillary they actually at that time won an award for their work so it's not like it was illegal and we were looking into this world we had made the square which was about the use of these tools in an incredible way because it was supporting democracy supporting people connecting with each other and uh, it was in these incredible tools for change and Silicon Valley at that time was taking a lot of credit for these great tools for change and then we started to see the pendulum swing in the other direction and these same tools being used to manipulate and to be being used by fascist governments and then started to see these changes in the governments in the US and the UK and in the lead up to the elections felt like the most interesting film we could be working on was how we were being manipulated through the very tools that we 
feel are being used to connect us. Mm. And that's what led us to this story and why now, I mean, it's come out, it's come out as, as sort of a horror film at a time when it's important for people to really understand what's happening. Definitely. And it's, it's amazing following the different people in the documentary, especially Brittany Kaiser, from who used to work at Cambridge Analytica and has this such an interesting story with how she was this intern on the Obama campaign. And then she kind of went 360 to doing you know, Ted Cruz's campaigns and, and then Trump. Before going into that, I wondered, did you have like a lot of material to play with outside of the stuff you filmed? Because there's all these YouTube clips with people on the panels bragging about the campaigns and even Alexander Nix on a panel talking about um, leave the EU. Did you feel like it was all there? Like you you had so much to pick up and put in? Now there's a lot there because we know you know and we know what to look for. At the time that we started it felt like we were exploring this very new territory. Um, When we met Brittany, when we met David Carroll, when we met Carroll they had connected with each other on Twitter and it was like we called it the Digital Justice League where they would be each one of them bringing a different piece to the puzzle. I desperately wanted to understand how all of this fit together. As this topic became more popular, I would read articles, but I didn't completely understand how everything connected, Mm. how the political work outside of the US and the UK was working, how some of the tools that were were being used and developed voter suppression were then being developed and then used in the UK and in the US. We never enter a film, I think, where we understand how it all works. So we don't enter a film and say, okay, this is the thesis that we're going to tell to the world and how do we find people to fit into that thesis. We enter these topics with a curiosity, trying to find the people that are going to take us into the heart of the story and to Mm -hmm. take us on this kind of James Bond adventure ride. And so that's why we found when we found Brittany Kaiser, we felt like we had really hit the jackpot because here was somebody who had started as an idealistic intern in the in the Howard Dean campaign and then the Barack Obama campaign had been a part of building his website and his Facebook page and then had made this not a drastic turn. She had started to work in human rights. And initially, when she started to work for Cambridge Analytica, they were doing all kinds of things. They weren't only working in elections, but they were also working in areas like trying to get women to go to the hospital, some human Mm -hmm. rights work as well. And then she -hmm. found herself in a company that was pitching the Trump campaign, and she was pitching the Trump campaign, won the contract, wrote the first contract for the Trump campaign, worked on Brexit. And so she, we felt like here is a character that every day you meet her, she has a different fascinating world that she's been through, or another interesting person that she's met. She had you know, um, as you see in the film, had connections with Julian Assange, was ultimately investigated by the Mueller investigation. So in one character, you really had somebody taking you into the belly of the beast to really understand how things worked. Totally. You feel like you really get to know her in the in the documentary. And I don't know if people will agree with me, but I kind of warmed to her in many ways during it, even though if I just read her in a, you know, a headline about her, I'd be like, that's just, that's a disgrace. And I wondered if that sort of played into one of my favourite bits in the film where 
you guys are breaking it down how they categorize people how they used our data and how there's like this mass of people who they call like persuadables and in a way Brittany kaiser was like a persuadable and maybe we all are and i just found that really interesting I think it's human nature to say, well, I'm not persuadable. It's those people over there that are persuadable. It's not that we're necessarily each one of us persuadable around the same area, right? But we're all persuadable. Otherwise, we wouldn't have such a successful advertising business. Totally. And with the, and I know it's like on the press release and it was just something that I paused in the film when I think Brittany said it, but data is the most valuable asset and it kind of surpasses the value of oil. Did you know that? Or was that just something that you learned as well? I learned that as well. I learned a lot. And this is where you know where you're, you're on the right track and making the right film when you keep getting surprised and you keep learning. And so you know that if you're learning and if you're surprised by these characters and if you're seeing this world that you'd never understood or seen before, then an audience will be as well. That was a fact that completely shocked me that now data has surpassed oil in its value. Obviously, Cambridge Analytica is shut down now. And I guess in the film, you're thinking yay this won't hopefully happen to me or my friends or the world and then there's someone who says in the film there's there's other Cambridge Analyticas we're just the people that got caught and we're like the example and case study that's Julian Wheatland who's the COO of Cambridge Analytica so we did film a vast array of characters of different opinions and he said look there's going to be many other Cambridge Analytica's out there this technology is going to be used by campaigns across the world it just sucks for me that it's Cambridge Analytica one of my favorite lines because the film is not meant to be scapegoating anybody or saying you know Cambridge Analytica is our problem and now that it's gone we have no more problems it's supposed this is just a microcosm I mean the Cambridge Analytica story is a watershed moment yes um, and it shed light in an area that we need to be looking at Mm -hmm. but this problem is only going to get bigger. It's important to to at least understand it, start a conversation about it and encourage transparency. I'm looking forward to hearing other people's responses to it because when I watched it, it was a preview. So I went on Twitter and there were like a few people like rumblings talking about it. And I feel like it's just going to be this massive conversation again about privacy and influence because I was thinking actually in many ways we're in a culture where in this influencer culture if if someone's got three million followers on Instagram and they're trying to persuade you is that sort of the same sort of thing I know it's it's not like breaching of privacy but I think it's about understanding or having as much transparency as possible when you are online so that you have an awareness that there is this is an advertisement or this is a person that's trying to persuade you right it's when the the, these tactics of doing these personality quizzes that you have no idea and you have no idea that these personality quizzes are actually being used to figure out whether you are somebody who is highly neurotic has a high degree of openness and therefore can be targeted Mm -hmm. and do you live in a certain take the united states do you live in a certain state where you would be a useful candidate to target with fear it's these fear campaigns that when people don't know that those campaigns are being waged against them that are being used in elections specifically that is i I think quite scary very scary and then you start thinking well what's for sale if we're becoming the commodity Right. And if our elections are for sale, is is that as a population what we're willing to stand for? Exactly. And it's basically 
prying on people's vulnerabilities and I'm just so happy to think that maybe when people watch this they will just be more careful I saw that Amazon had partnered with the NHS recently they want to like do something towards Alexa helping you with your medical problems I I felt very bizarre about that I don't know if I want technology to know everything about me I think that's the point is let's ask questions and let's keep asking questions because I I think we've always thought of technology as connecting us in Silicon Valley the mottos are we can you know we can do no do no evil you know we know that that's not the case and that we need to be highly aware of what the device is that we you know that we hold in our hand and that some of us communicate more than we communicate with human beings right yeah yeah. um so it's this same technology that brings us our friends and you know that we post pictures and it's this it's it's not this sinister technology it's the emojis and the smiley faces and the likes that is actually this tool that can be used to manipulate and that knowledge and people continually asking questions about it is what our hope is So another thing I was interested in asking you, because I feel like we're in this time where we want to stand up for ourselves or we want to call out people. And it's actually quite scary calling out people with so much power. And I know that Carol from The Guardian, you know, she takes so much abuse on Twitter. And she she I, I felt for her in the film. I thought, I wonder if she's scared sometimes. I felt how how do you guys feel knowing that maybe Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg himself might watch it? <laughs> First of all, in terms of Carol, Carol is incredibly brave. I mean, as are all of the the characters that allow us to follow them because they are exposing themselves and their lives for the greater good, for people to be able to understand this story. What is happening with Carol is such an age-old tactic, right, of just trying to break her down with how she's attacked constantly on Twitter on social media. When we were making the square and protesters were down in the streets every day, there would be these mass arrests where people would be rounded up and then thrown into prison for days on end. Families would not be able to find out where their loved ones were. So it was a huge deterrent because, and this was the point of it, Mm. right? If you are arrested, you worry your family for three weeks, you're going to think twice about going down into the street and putting the people that you love in that position again and the same kind of thing is happening with with carol and others like her who are speaking out because she has to continually face this barrage of just these attacks online and i think continually thinking is this worth it she's coming out on the right side of history she spoke at ted she had a standing ovation at ted it's one of the most highly shared uh, ted talks and obviously her 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 writing and her exposing of this story has been so crucial in terms of people becoming more aware but it's not without its pain um, it was really yeah. great to see her at home in her environment doing her work i feel like people forget when they just see a profile picture online i mean i obviously don't think i would do that but people i think they dehumanize someone and seeing her at home just doing her job and caring about something was really amazing. We thought so. We're fans, and uh, I think that it wasn't easy for her to do because it's 
exposing herself even more. She's she's quite brave. Did you ever have any of those thoughts of before you go into a documentary? Are you ever thinking a bit like Carol? Oh, people might have an issue with this. I mean, I'm guessing you don't care because you want to make these amazing documentaries. I think if we were cautious people, overly cautious people, we would never make the films that we do. Um, I think it requires a, a small bit of craziness. I mean, measured. I can't say that I would be able to, now that I have three kids, I can't say that I would make the square right now, personally. I would help get it made, but it, you know, your, your, your boundaries shift, right? But with this film, we felt like we have experienced growing up in a country where the media is censored and for democracy to exist for you know which is sort of the best form of government it's not perfect by by any means but it's the best form of government that we've figured out so far um, before it to exist requires conversation and when when i made uh, Control Room, which was a film that came out in 2004. This was about um, the coverage of the Iraq War from the perspective of Al Jazeera and Central Command, the, the journalists at Central Command. So depending on what news station you were watching covering the Iraq War, you had a very different view of what was oh. actually happening. So, it's like the same thing, kind of, again. So it's like, I felt like we were making Control Room on steroids. It was now you have two people in the same household that can't have a conversation because they're watching their own personalized view of reality, right? How are people supposed to be having healthy debate when their their view of reality is completely different? Wow, that's fascinating, isn't it? Because I, I often have these little moments, like even with like my partner, for example, where I've been reading something on Twitter, he's been reading something on Twitter, and we're a bit like, we agree fundamentally, but like there's a slight, well, I read this, so... So I think growing up in a country where, you know, media is silenced and um, and people often watch the government news and also having seen this time period myself during the Iraq war and at other time periods where people that I love have very different opinions on what actually happened and can't speak with each other, we felt like in the making of this film, we were seeing echoes of this. And the only way to be able to handle this or deal with this issue is to continue asking the difficult questions and to con continue pushing on leadership and to continue pushing on the tech platforms. Because every day we tick these boxes of the terms and conditions it's just because it helps it makes our life easier but we don't even look at what we're taking we don't we're signing contracts but unlike a paper contract where you would actually read it and think about it you're just signing it away that is really the new social contract and we need to think about what we're signing away and there needs to be a public conversation between people, their governments, and these technology platforms to ensure that we are maintaining an environment where we can have a democracy, where we can have an open society. Silicon Valley exists because the you know people who are building these technology platforms are standing on the shoulders of people that fought for an open society to exist, for people to come around the world, engineers to come around the world and collaborate and invent and work together. And so there needs to be some thinking about the ethics of all of this. What gave rise to the open society and what do we need to do to be able to maintain that? Do you think there's an immediate answer with just uh, normal people, everyday people, how we're meant to live? Because 
um, I saw there was some tweets saying, watch this documentary, I'll give you five seconds before you delete your Facebook. Like, it was very much like, you will delete it, you will be freaked out. It went through my mind. I was thinking, I don't want to be on there anymore. And I wondered, like, that surely can't be the answer because so many of us, our jobs rely on being on social media or being on the internet our jobs do rely on it our jobs do rely on it i mean even as as we speak a couple hours ago i posted on facebook because this is how i connect with people in the uk i used to live here and some of my old friends are here so isn't this a false choice though that we have to give up our connectivity in order to keep our privacy and to not be targeted i think it's a false choice and that we 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 have to demand changes yes they need to offer a better a situation for us that doesn't feel so exposed and vulnerable i i did think mark zuckerberg it was really interesting in the in the film seeing i didn't watch that the bit where he's kind of um being questioned and i remember watching the social network and like had so much respect for him as someone who wanted to really take control of the platform and not let any bad stuff happen on it and it's just like wow how far we've come in not very many years it's an age-old story also of power corrupting and living in your own little bubble you know i i know from people that live in silicon valley friends in the tech industry that there are some that have really woken up and are thinking about how to make changes um one of our very early supporters was an early investor in facebook and felt like this is a feels like this is a very important film because if tech platforms don't take the initiative to start correcting themselves then government will and so he even as a self-interested investor feels like this is an important conversation to have mm -hmm. however there are still many in silicon valley speaking to friends of mine in the industry who feel like well this is just as nick says in parliament well, this is just an effort by the liberal media to discredit um, what happened in Brexit and what mm -hmm. happened with Trump. And if Trump hadn't won, if Brexit hadn't happened, this never would be such an issue, which I obviously don't agree with. Yeah, I did think it's much larger than that. Yeah, it's it not it's not about leave or remain. It's not about Democrat, Republican or Trump or not. It's about something much bigger it's about our free will absolutely because when in the when the map in in one of the graphics in the film it turns like red 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 i was thinking imagine if it was just turning blue 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 and then i th and i was thinking to myself i think i'd still have a problem with that because either way we're being manipulated my last question really was just what what are you excited about now it's been made i know that obviously making it was probably like such a joy for you but with it being screened everywhere very soon what are you hoping people take from it it's been a labor of love it's been almost five years wow i um, didn't know that yeah we started five years ago really with the idea of doing something on the sony hack and it just grew into this much larger sprawling topic which is now i love reading the tweets about it you know as we're critiquing social media i'm <laughs> reading the tweets about our film but i i love reading that people feel like this is such an urgent film one of the tweets was oh this is uh this is like Black Mirror, but then we realized it's real life. So that's exciting to see. We've had three kids in the process of making this film. So wow. you know, it's really been, uh, it's been quite a journey and taken a number of twists and turns. And we're so excited for people to finally see it on the big screen and then at Net on Netflix as well on the 24th. And what better platform to show it on, which is, you know, it's, it's a 
platform that Netflix has started as a technology company, and they're providing a platform, a large platform, in order to have that conversation. So kudos to them for taking this on. And I'm excited for us to start a very serious conversation. And the fact that our film, because of the incredible characters that open their lives to us, because it has become kind of a thriller um, horror movie that takes us into the depths of this. I'm hoping that people's minds are opened, p- questions are asked that they've never asked before, and they're entertained along the way as mm-hmm. they watch it. Maybe entertained and horrified mm-hmm. <laughs> at the same time. But I hope that it starts a very urgent conversation. Well, thank you for making it, because I did think when I was watching it, I'm just so grateful for the people that do spend five years going deep into these topics, because I think we're in a time where we make things quickly and post them and and actually these things take a long time to to get to the bottom of it, yeah i'm so glad it, it exists thank you thank you for having me thank you very much